I am Stephanie Winslow and I am so grateful to be with you this morning to bring to you a message from the Word of God. I am delighted that you have chosen this morning to gather together with me and join in this um, pursuit of studying the Word of God, of understanding more of who He is and in turn who we are and who we can become because of Christ at work in us. So first and foremost, if you do not know Jesus, if you do not know the person of Jesus Christ, or maybe you've heard his name but aren't really sure that you believe or you aren't really sure that, that he really existed, or maybe you just have questions about where do I get started. Maybe you have felt him pulling you toward himself, but you don't know exactly where to start. I would say that you are in a good place because um, I'm, I'm here to help you. I'll walk alongside of you and um, just help you answer the questions as best as I can. And if I don't know the answer, I can point you in the direction uh, and help you find the answers that you are in search of. Um, I believe that God gives each of us the opportunity to get to know Him. He gives each of us the opportunity to be in an intimate relationship with Him and it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what color of skin you have, or where you live. Um, anything about us, it's not about us. It's about God and, and all that He has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, and all that He has done uh, through His Spirit, and all that He has done and who He is. Uh, it's His good, good character that gives us life and breath and purpose. So He is worth knowing he is the most important choice that you can make in your life, hands down 100%. Um, so let's lift up our cups today as we always do together on Cup of Hope and ask the Lord, would you fill us up today with the hope that you have in store for us through the power of your word. Cup of Hope is a place that we come together and, and we get filled up. We allow God to use the scripture to teach us through the scripture and to fill us up. Um, we recognize that we can't muster up our own sense of, of, of understanding, our own sense of strength, our own sense of peace. That has to come through the power and work in us in the Holy Spirit. We've been um, walking through this book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, and today we're going to just take out a couple of verses from chapter 7. Again, I encourage you to read the entire chapter because you'll kind of get a broader sense of, of all the things that are happening in details and in this 15 minutes of time that we have together that I, I don't have time to go into all of those details. But um, I'm just pulling out the pieces that have really spoken to my heart and just been praying that they also in turn then speak to you and to your heart and that God will use them to change us from the inside out. I want to start today in verse 4. So if you were with us before and through the first six chapters, you know that Nehemiah felt prompted to go back to the city of Jerusalem um, and to help begin rebuilding the walls, walls that were, it was a city that had been torn up and destroyed. Uh, the people of Israel had been taken out. They had been exiled into Babylon, and now the exile was over. But the city was still mostly uninhabited because of how destroyed it was. And, um, and the people of God had not really reclaimed 
the promised land that had been given to them in the city of Jerusalem and the walls, the attempts of the walls to be rebuilt in years prior had failed, had fallen short, had just not really gotten anywhere until Nehemiah took it upon himself to, uh, to, to take charge of it. And I believe that that, that was a God-inspired moment for him. And so now we're at a point in the story where the walls are, are rebuilt, the gates have been put up, um, and in the first part of Nehemiah, he will assign people to post to stand guard at the gates and tell them when the gate should be opened. Again, this is a city that back in the day that um, it, it would have been not uncommon for people from the surrounding areas to come and attack, especially attacking the Israelite people because of their belief and how they lived. Um, and there's uh, a belief at this point too that the, the people, because of the exile and had been spread out, that they weren't as strong as they once were perhaps. Um, and so there was a likelihood that that people could come and try to tear down the walls all over again. So he put people at the guard posts and had them keep watch, had them only open the gates at certain times. And then in verse five, or excuse me, verse four, it says, now the city was large and spacious, yet the people in it were few since there had been no houses built. So again, they, they spent 52 days. It took them 52 days to rebuild the city, which that in and of itself was a miraculous thing because it took an incredible amount of teamwork. They was working with people who did not have great skills um, in terms of building. They weren't masons. They weren't carpenters. Um, and and not on top of all of that, there was not very many of them. And there weren't very many people now living in the city because all of the houses and homes had also been destroyed. All the businesses had been destroyed. So now it's like the next phase. It's the next phase of how are we going to re-inhabit this city that, yes, we have a fortified wall, we have our temple, uh, but now people have to come back. How do we get people back? And so in verse 5, we hear Nehemiah saying this, So my God put an idea in my mind. I gathered the nobles and the officials and the people together to conduct a genealogy registration. When I found the book of genealogical register, genealogical register, it contained the list of those who first came back. So what Nehemiah did was he gathered people, he gathered the nobles and officials of the, the tribes of Israel, and he sat down with them and, just, and said, okay, we need to conduct a, a registry, a, a genealogical registry of all of the people who, who belong here, who is supposed to be living in the city, who was, who was kicked out, who's the first to come back, where are they, how do we get them back in the city? And there's a couple of things that happen in this verse. One, again, we find over and over and over, Nehemiah had an amazing um, gift. I believe this is a gift that he asked for help. He felt, he said, so God put an idea in my mind. So that, I guess, is first and foremost, that, that he recognized that he had been given another God-given, inspired idea. And he didn't say, okay, that's good, um, but, and go about his own business. And again, doing what he thought maybe was right. He listened to that idea 
and moved on it. He moved toward God in this idea. So God put this idea in his head and he went about repopulating the city of Jerusalem by gathering the nobles and officials together. So he asked for help. He took the wise counsel of people around him who knew better than he did how this could all unfold and who should be living in this city. How can this move forward? And I don't have all of the details of what those conversations were like, um, but I can just imagine as Nehemiah was such a strong leader that he had a vision, he knew how to communicate it, and he knew how to rally help. He knew how to rally people around him to get that, the help that was needed in order to accomplish this vision that God had put in his heart to do. So Nehemiah was an amazing, amazing leader, but he, uh, as a part of this recalling and the, the registering, the, looking at the, the genealogy, there's a few things that I believe were really important that happened for the people of Israel as they were doing this. One, it was this recognition of where they were at one point in time in history at the exile and where they had come. And even though there had been years of exile, even though there had been years when they weren't in their promised land, even though there had been years when seemingly their lives were in shambles, there was still growth. There was still growth in their population. And it turns out that there were about 50,000 people um, who were counted in this genealogy that were to be back in the city of Jerusalem. 50,000 people. Um, I don't know about you, but 50,000 people, to me, it, it's, it's, it's our whole, whole town, basically, where I live. Um, some of you maybe live in towns bigger than that or smaller than that. But you can kind of get an idea, just a sense of your own population of what that would look like. And people, of course, back then lived slightly differently than we do. They lived more communally and, and families, all you know, generations living together. So that would have looked a little bit different. But still, 50,000 people in a walled city that um, need to be moved back. So how is all that going to work? How is it going to go? So the main part of Nehemiah chapter 7 is actually recounting and walking through the genealogy of all of the people who were needing to be brought back into the city of Jerusalem. <clears throat> and then at, at the end of it, this, this is the thing that is also to me very inspirational. It's that you have people, again, be, I think a lot of this has to do with God, well, all of it has to do with God moving on the hearts of people through Nehemiah and his leadership um, because people were willing to give their possession to the work of rebuilding the city now, rebuilding the homes, rebuilding the temple, giving, gathering resources together. They were able to live communally and valued that, that giving to the, the greater good, that they could give a portion of what they had to the effort of rebuilding in order to begin repopulating the city. And what they knew and understood was that the, the greater the population in that city, the greater the likelihood is that it would be strong. 
that the nation of Israel would again be strong. And so it was really important for them to begin rebuilding their lives, their livelihood, their businesses, their homes in that city so that it would be strong and fortified uh, for their entire nation, for the surrounding um, tribes of Israel that they had a place to come back to that was theirs. Um, And that wouldn't happen, right, without people buying into that vision buying into uh, the idea that it needed to be rebuilt, being buying into the fact that they could do something about it by participating and helping um, with their possession, with, their, with themselves of, of saying, yes, I, I've been living over here, but now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move. I'm going to move back to the place. And maybe that's, a, a, maybe that's you in a, in a way that perhaps you have been um, living in a place and you've seen God call you back to a place. Or maybe it's a career that, or a passion that you had as a, a young person. And your, maybe your career took you away from it. But now you feel God calling you back to that passion. Back to that thing that he planted in your heart. Maybe a long time ago, God put in your heart to, to write a book. Or to write a song. Or to write poetry. Or, or to to teach his word, to be a Sunday school teacher, or you name it. I don't know the the plans that God has put on your heart, but maybe God has put something on your heart long ago. And for whatever reason, life took you a different path. And maybe now you feel him like, no, it's time. It's time to rekindle that love that you, you once had. Rekindle that vision that I planted on your heart a long ago. Um, and, and maybe you'll see God opening doors to uh, areas of your life that you had just kind of forgotten about or or um, had thought, well, that's never going to happen or, or whatever the case may be. But I think this is a great example of how God is, is at work in our lives. And just like Nehemiah, he can give each of us vision. He can give each of us insight for what he desires to do in and through us. We just have to have the ears to hear. And be willing to listen to what he is asking of us and ask for the help where it's needed um, and and to to rally and to grow in our own leadership grow in our own communication so that we can be uh, make an impact on the on the world around us let's pray dear heavenly father god i thank you so much for this message and for the example that nehemiah is to us i thank you that he lived his life in a way that was a servant of all, a servant of you. Uh, And you can just absolutely see his heart and his love for you and for your plans, for your desires. Uh, God, and he went, he was just willing to go along with what you were asking. And maybe he didn't always know how all the things were going to unfold or how it was going to work, God, but he, he chose to take a step each day to move forward to closer to the vision that you have planted in his heart. God, I pray that you would allow this story of Nehemiah to to penetrate our hearts, to change our minds from the inside out, to to inspire us, to grow us into greater uh, levels of capacity of listening to you, to your voice, greater levels of capacity of stepping out and, and actioning those things, the visions that you have planted in our hearts greater capacity to ask for help when we need the help, um, and just surround us, Lord, by people 
who are willing to help, who want to help carry out the visions that you have planted in our hearts. And God, give us the courage to step out to do the thing that you have asked us to do. God, I thank you for all of these things, Lord, and may you receive the glory. And as your word was sent out today, Lord, may it produce fruit in the lives and the hearts of those who hear it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, thank you for being with me today on Cup of Hope. I do hope that you have a blessed and wonderful Monday. And uh, Lord willing, I will see you here on Wednesday. Bye-bye.